It's May the 15th, 2013. And this is 508, a show about Worcester. I am Michael Benedetti. Today on the show, we have Maureen St. Cyr. We have Emily Jones, both from Legal Assistance and Tracy Novick of the School Committee. How are you doing, Tracy? I'm doing all right, Mike. How are you? Good. We're here at the Lodge at Cascading Waters. I am Michael Benedetti. So happy I have these people on the show today. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about positive things. It's such a good week. Much better than last week. There's nothing about death. There's nothing about being horrible this week. We're going to talk about slot machines. We're going to talk about panhandling. We're going to talk about rooming houses. We're going to talk about dressing well, presenting yourself well. We're going to talk about fair lending. Oh, you know, I forgot one thing. We're going to talk about schools. We're going to talk about schools. I hate so much. Okay. So, first, though, I'm really excited to have you guys. You guys are from Legal Assistance. Is that right? Community Legal Aid. Community Legal Aid. Yeah, we changed our name. We used to be uh, Legal Assistance of Central Massachusetts. That's right. And now we are Community Legal Aid. I love this. You know, I want to I talk to you guys about, um, we're going to talk about fair lending on the show today. Mm-hmm. Also, we have, oh, we have another, we have so many special treats on the show. We're going to talk about fair lending, then we're going to have a special treat. Let's talk about fair lending first. <laughs> is this, is this, are you guys both lawyers or what do you guys do down there at Legal Aid? Uh, we're both staff attorneys. Okay. Um, I work partially for the city of Worcester on a community development block grant okay. to help people post and pre-foreclosure with like evictions and oh, really? those kinds of things. And then we are both on a grant from HUD. Did you want to explain? Sure. We have a fair lending grant from HUD. So we are supposed to help people who um, have been discriminated against in the lending process um, and or are having difficulty with mortgage rescue scams, facing foreclosure, that kind of thing. Wow, okay. What do you mean about, what do you mean discriminated against in the lending process? Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> uh, there's, well, so specific, specifically this grant we have because of the foreclosure crisis and because the foreclosure crisis is really, um, in a way, a crisis that has its roots in discrimination and because... Okay. Because, oh God, I don't even know how to explain. Um, no, okay. Um, <laughs> okay, I really so <laughs> <laughs> what Maureen is talking about, um, the foreclosure crisis having roots in discrimination. Uh, for many years, there was a systematic, um, how would you say it? A systematic formula um, that was put out actually by the government at first. Right. So, I mean, back in the 1930s, 1940s, the federal government started making these maps about, you know, how to do, they, when they got into the lending business, one of the things that they did was they helped assess risk. Okay. And so they made these maps um, and they were color coded um, neighborhood, neighborhood by neighborhood, looking at, you know, what level of risk is this neighborhood and should we make loans to people who live in this neighborhood? Um, and they were really very much overtly about the race of the neighborhood. So, okay. Um, yes, let's make loans to people who live in white neighborhoods because those are a good risk, but no, let's not make loans to people who live in African-American or immigrant um, neighborhoods because those are a bad risk. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're color-coded, and so it's green for good risk and red for a bad risk. And so Is that, this this thing of redlining? Yes, that's what I was about to say, redlining. This is redlining. So this is the you know, systemic denial of access to credit to communities of color okay. for decades, really, until it was outlawed in 1968 with the passage of the Federal Fair Housing Act. But that wasn't really enforced for another couple decades, so they start to see sort of the DOJ getting involved Hmm. in cracking down on redlining in the 1990s. But uh, in the 1990s, that's when we started seeing subprime lending become a big thing, which was actually then targeting those same communities that had been historically denied access to credit for these really bad subprime 
loans, which were very dangerous and tend to lead to foreclosure much more quickly and much more, just much with a much higher incidence because they're just much more um, risky loans. Mm. So you see a lot of foreclosures in communities of color because people in those neighborhoods were actually targeted by lenders for these loans, regardless of whether they, you know, like it was a good loan product for them because they had just hadn't had access to credit for, for decades because of discrimination. And so you guys are working, you guys are working on this from both a discrimination angle and a foreclosure prevention angle? Yeah. Right. So um, the grant actually allows us to do foreclosure work as well as discrimination work. Okay. Um, we in Worcester have been doing a lot more of the foreclosure side than the discrimination side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually looking for cases right now. Um, some things that we've heard about around the country that we are looking for and have seen a little bit of. Um, in one case uh, recently, a bank was requesting um, additional documentation uh, from a man who suffered from a disability. Um, if you suffer from a disability, you do not need to sh- prove certain information. So this, so what? So this is something that's happened in a lot of different areas, um, mostly on the origination side. Of, um, and so, like, what will happen is a uh, someone will be trying to get a loan, and um, they receive um, disability income that continues. Um, it's based on their disability, but it can, it's, you know, it's ongoing because you have, you know, like a a long-term disability. Um, But what banks did was they're like, when when we started like, you know, tightening up uh, the underwriting standards, they said, well, maybe this income isn't really going to be ongoing for three years. Um, And so we want you to provide us with a letter from a doctor saying that your, your disability is permanent. And so your income from, you know, like social security or, um, some other form of disability income is going to continue for three years. Right. But the government has um, released, you know, new underwriting guidelines that says, you know, no, if your income is um, does not have a defined um, uh, expiration date, um, and most of the time, like SSDI, won't have a defined expiration date. Um, then you don't have to provide a doctor's letter to say that you're disabled. You know, that's already been determined, and you don't have to provide this additional documentation. Okay. Um, it's just enough that you have this income, and the, and the government shouldn't be looking, or not the government, the, the, the lender shouldn't be looking further into right. it. Okay. Um, sort of along the same kind of new things that we're seeing, um, we haven't personally seen yet, but it definitely, has definitely happened. Um, and has happened in Massachusetts, um, we've heard, is um, discrimination against um, uh, borrowers who are pregnant. Um, And so sort of the typical way that this has happened is someone will, say, apply for a loan, and then they'll go out on maternity leave before the loan closes, and the bank will be like, oh, wait, what's your income? You know, your income isn't continuing, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe you won't even return to work um, because, you know, you're you're, you're a lady and you're on maternity leave and uh, I don't know, you might just decide to stay home with, mm-hmm. the, with the child. Um, and so we're going to cancel your loan until you're back um, at work. And okay. You have to prove to us that you're going to go back to work. Okay. Um, and so that's also discrimination. Although the bank can ask you to say, you know, like to, to provide um, documentation from your, your employer and, and, and yourself that you're back. going to go back to work. So if people feel like they're in one of these categories, if people feel like they're having so there's some kind of discrimination going on with their loan... Or if people are like worried about foreclosure, they can come to you guys. Absolutely. And you guys can what like what kind what does the process look? I guess there's probably a million different things we're talking about under these categories to say what does the process look like. But like what what do people what, what can people expect? 
Well, if you think you've been the victim of some kind of discrimination in the lending process, or if you're trying to get a modification on your loan and you feel like you might have been discriminated against in that process, you would just call us um, and do an intake at our with our, um, I guess our administrative assistant or receptionist would take an intake um, and let them know that you think you've had this problem and they will give it right to us and one of us will call you and we'll do sort of an initial intake interview um, investigation. Mm -hmm. And if we find that you were the victim of some kind of discrimination, we can talk to you about your options. Um, there are several different ways you can kind of combat discrimination, um, which we could talk about if you would like. Well, I w actually, one thing I, I should ask, this is free, right? Yes. Okay. That's a good. Point. That's a good thing to mention. This yes. is that's that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about like so like if somebody's going through this, how like how do they even know like I'm a good candidate to get some free legal help here? I mean, every. Well, Are you guys going to help anybody? We don't have restrictions for okay. lending discrimination. I don't think. Right. Right. So. Usually, um, legal aid services are only for those who cannot afford other legal services. Right. So there are like income guidelines. But for us in our grant, we don't have those same income guidelines, especially under the HUD grant. Mm -hmm. Under the grant from the city, there are income guidelines. Okay. So you'd have to make like around 125% of the poverty level. Um, but for the HUD grant, we can, you know, take cases from just about anybody. So if people are concerned that they may be facing some kind of housing discrimination, some kind of some kind of lending discrimination mm -hmm. involving their housing, they should just check with you guys. And, and probably, probably it's going to be worth it their time. Right. And something okay. that's really, really important with lending discrimination is that if you feel like you've been a, a victim of discrimination in lending, you should do something, you should call somebody really, really quickly because lending discrimination is sort of... Uh, the, the problem with lending discrimination is, it, is that statute of limitations on it runs really quickly. Um, and a lot of people who were discriminated against in the subprime boom didn't realize that they were discriminated against for a couple of years, and then the statute of limitations had already run, and so they couldn't hmm. do anything legally about what had happened to them. So if you feel like maybe something's off, if you feel like possibly you've been discriminated against, it's so much better to, to call us or, you know, like you can go to HUD, you can go to the Massachusetts Commission Against Discrimination, you can go to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. All of these people do take complaints um, and just, you know, look into it sooner rather than later because the worst thing to do is to find out you know after the statute of limitations has run that actually yes you probably were discriminated against but there's absolutely nothing that can be done legally right. at this point okay that's sort of what we've seen recently people that got loans in like 2006 that might have actually been discriminatory are t coming now to us in 2013 with like a foreclosure issue because mm. they got a loan that was a really bad loan product and there was like a interest rate that shot up all of a sudden mm -hmm. And we can't do anything about the lending discrimination at this point. Right. Whereas we, you know, in 2006, if they had reported it, there would have been something that could have been done. So now we're fighting the foreclosure for other reasons or things like that. Man. So. Well, thanks for coming on and talking about this, guys. Thanks this for is, having us. This is pretty cool. I want to I wanna have this special legal assistance-related treat. Years ago, and it, this is cool because we're gonna have these we're gonna have these legal aid guys who are, we're gonna be able to see their reaction. Years ago, yeah. Bru Bruce the Snow Ghost Russell, frequent panelist on this show back in the day, and my friend uh, Mike Radford, co-produced this song back when back when there was a, a legal assistance show on WCCA, and it was never used because it was too controversial. But today, oh, no. we're gonna play it from my phone into the camera. Here it is, guys. Oh dear.
legal assistance, when your phone is being tapped, when your landlord's giving you problems, when you're looking for justice, when you're looking for justice, 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 legal, legal assistance, legal assistance. We're going to have to get a new version of that for <laughs> our new name. There you go. Well, thanks for coming on the show to talk about that. That's really cool. Um, I want to talk about... I want to talk about schools, despite despite what I pretend here, and I want to talk about being being well dressed. It's like eating broccoli. <laughs> I like I like actually I like broccoli. Right, not broccoli, something else. It's like eating, it's like eating a nutritional yeast. There you go. Um, so this week, uh, in the in the world of the slot machines, we saw um, that the guys who want to bring a, a slot machine parlor into Worcester launched their website, WorcesterCasino.com. Um, even the name is wrong. Well, you know what? It says all over the website we're bringing a sli- we're bringing a casino, but isn't this is technically a slots parlor a slots and parlor. technically not a casino and not a casino. Also, they're bringing a game spa or a day spa. A day spa, which Worcester needs another of like. I don't, you know, not at all. I'm, as much as we I'm obviously not the day spa demographics. So I'm not impressed by that either. But uh, are, do you, are 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 there, are there any updates? You're, you've been one of the opponents. Well, of this I mean, it keeps being an, uh, the, the update stuff. keeps being the city manager keeps coming out and saying, nope, we still haven't gotten any more information from them. And time's a ticking. I mean, they, you've got to get all this together by the first week of October, which means they have to have the agreement. They have to have had the waiting period. The city has to have voted all by the first week of October. So that was why, I mean, at council mm-hmm. earlier this week, Councilor Lukes stood up and said, so I assume we're voting at the preliminary election on the 17th of September. Mm-hmm. Um, her colleagues voted her down oh. um, asking that question, which seemed more personal than political. But sure. Um, as things often are with, when, <laughs> as regards Council Luke's. That's true. Um, nonetheless, it was a le- very legitimate question because it, it certainly does seem as though the slots guys aren't exactly in any great hurry and, you know, we're not really seeing anything. Well, Tracy, I want to con- continue as I, as I continue to decide pro or con. I'm still undecided on this. I, I want to continue to base this on the most trivial things possible. <laughs> they haven't, they, the website is not a bad website. There's nothing on the website. It's one page. That's how a good website should be. Oh, there's there's no even scrolling. There's like there nothing nobody there. Likes there's scrolling. like picture, title, give us wrong your email. Title, give us your email. Here's a picture. Give us your email. Boom, we're done. You're gonna get a job. Boom. No, That's they're gonna have about. a job fair. You need to have an anti-slots website which has a picture of Worcester destroyed by a bomb and just be like, this is going to, do you want this to happen? Yes, no. And that's the website. And it gets the point across. We'll see. We'll see in the the fall who wins this. That's all I'm going to say. All right. That's enough for slot machines this week. Um, There's actually been a couple of interesting uh, legal things going on this week. week. One that Tracy is not going to be able to talk about is that. um, No, I can talk a little bit about it. Well. Watch, watch out. The ACLU has sued Worcester in federal court over the panhandling ordinance, um, something which we've talked about many times on this show. And uh, back in January, whenever uh, Chris Robarge of the ACLU testified before the city council committee about this, um, he said this in a much nicer roundabout way. But my, my certainly I think the intent of his comments were like, nice city, <laughs> shame if you got your ass sued. And in fact, this is what happened. We have three plaintiffs. Um, uh, in this, two of them are panhandlers. One of them is a politician, <laughs> Tracy Novick of the school committee. Um, I have legal standing. The lawyer, the, the lawyer in this case, said that these laws, in fa- quote, in fact, prohibit a great deal of peaceful conduct, which is protected expression, which again has been an ongoing. Uh, I think people have said this many times. The city solicitor continuing to say he thinks that this is going to be fine. Um, do you? Do you want to? I don't think you should say anything about this. I, well, no, 
I mean, I, I talk I've seen enough cop shows. You're not supposed to say anything to the press. No, I, I actually. <laughs> actually, after I, after I talked to the press on Monday with the lawyers on the phone, they decided that I could talk to the press. That I apparently was was going to be able to handle myself without this being a problem. And so you're basically you're there because you're someone who has stood on traffic islands and whatever doing I have, things. As has most of the city council, but you know. Right. Um, yes, so, uh, you know, Kelly Square, Newton Square, Grafton Street. But doesn't this ordinance technically say that it's not a problem to stand on a traffic island, that it doesn't become a problem until a policeman tells you to not do it, and at that point, it becomes an infraction? And how is that, like, how can you do that? How is that, how is that I don't law? know. Like, how can, I don't right. know and not only that, these. the city solicitor has also expressly said that we're not going to enforce it against politicians, we're only going to enforce it against panhandlers. Sure. Which, last time I checked, was actually not the way that it's this country anti- was actually supposed to be it, run! It is an anti-panhandling court. So it keeps being told. So oh. I, I, do I think that someone's going to, you know, am I going to personally get in trouble probably for holding a sign come November? Probably not. But that should disturb me, I would think, that somebody else who's holding a different kind of sign could potentially get into trouble for standing on exactly the same spot because their sign says something different. That sounds good to me. We actually have, do you guys, you guys don't want to say anything. We actually have an, uh, we, we just, we're going to tie it all together now with something which involves housing and the city getting its behind beat in court with a bullwhip. And that is this rooming houses thing that today, I think it is, the Supreme Judicial Court of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts said to the city of Worcester, this thing that you keep doing where you keep saying to people, you can't have four college students staying in one apartment who are not related because you're, you would be operating a rooming house and you're not licensed operating a rooming house and so we're going to get you for operating an unlicensed rooming house. The Supreme Judicial Court said you can't do that anymore, Worcester. It's not a rooming house. We know it's not a rooming house. You know it's not a rooming house. Stop pretending that you think it's an unlicensed rooming house. If you want to do a zoning thing, do a zoning thing. Don't play it. Don't. What is this rooming house thing? I don't know anything about the legal implications of this either. I know a lot, a lot, a lot of people in Worcester who violate this all the time. Yeah. Who would be kind of excited to find out that their that their housing situation were legal, but uh, it doesn't. It sounds like I don't know. One one avenue for the city has been closed, but many others are open. You guys don't have any opinions about this either. Okay, that's fine. Um, what else do we got here? We got schools. We got clothing. Tracy Novick. Yes. There's still public schools in Worcester? Last time we checked. Ah, oh, brother. Tell me about them. How are they doing? Well, we're about to, to go through our annual... We're, in fact, in the next six weeks, the Worcester School Committee is about to do all of its three major functions, okay. which is that we are to pass the... We, we passed the policy handbook probably this week. Okay. We uh, pass the budget over the course of June, and we also review the superintendent, okay. which are the three major functions the school committee provi- uh, does. So the policy handbook... Policy that, handbook is basically that's the a list. pretty straightforward process. Well, it's a well, you'd think so. Um, it's actually the, basically the list of rules that we run the school by, right? So the, the everything from how long can your shorts be to um, what can you carry to school to how much homework do you have is all okay. in the policy handbook. By the way, we only have ten minutes, so I'm going to rush you through this <laughs> stuff a little bit. So that, that that's something we're talking about tomorrow night. Um, it does appear that the um, administration would like to reverse our long-standing de-isolation policy, which was our de- which was our desegregation policy for the city of Worcester. We're under a Department of Justice decree, which last the school committee checked has actually not been reversed, and okay. yet somehow the administration wants us to just stop Unilaterally. doing this. Unilaterally. 
Yeah, so I'm interested in seeing how that works out tomorrow okay. night because I'm not. Are you gonna you're gonna bring this up? Um, no, one of my colleagues has already brought it up. Okay. So I. So this is gonna be discussed. That'll be discussed. This isn't gonna be swept under the. And then the Whistler Public okay. School budget is actually out. It came out on Friday. So no, the budget is a thing. The city council has some control over this process, this, right? Um, the city of Worcester gives the Worcester Public Schools about one third of the Worcester Public School budget. The rest okay. comes from the state. Okay. Actually, it's a little less than that now. It's about down to thirty percent. So the city. Council has control over that third except with a lot of su- restrictions. Well, on. except there's a the, uh, well, no, only in that they're supposed to give it to us. They okay. actually can't decide how we spend it. Okay. They can they, they decide how much to give you? Well, legally they have an amount that they're supposed to give us. This is this. What's that number called? That's called net school spending. Or I thought the it was called something else. Foundation budget. budget. Right. There you go. I remember that one. Which the city of Worcester has not given the Worcester Public Schools for three years running. <laughs> So you say, but they say they are, right? we're down to 400, no, 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 see, we, we have spent the last year, and we have Going finally gotten to a point where we all agree that they're under. Okay. But we're all agreeing that they're under, okay. which we were not there a year ago or two years ago. So, so we're making progress. So the next step, what's the next step? Is, it, is, is the next we're step at, to, so to for this coming year, just be okay with the fact that we're they're under We're planning funding? on being $423,000 under. Okay. Um. Which, again, is better than we were last year, because last year was $800,000 under, and before that okay. it was $1.2 million under. So that's good. You're going to be running less of a deficit. Right. And we won't be. I mean, we won't run a deficit. It's just that they're going to get another letter that says, hey, you were actually supposed to. Now, the other okay. piece of this, of course, is that this is all based around a formula from 1993 that probably should have been updated several times since then. So, that's so a, we're not going to talk about that. Yes, we're not going to talk about that. But I would urge anyone who's interested in how we spend $300 million to get alive. What? Go ahead. Well, I mean, at least most of this is tax money, so it would oh, seem like people might you're care. Right. Okay. And if you're wondering, like, where does it all go? Fine, fine. Okay, you win. Okay, so keep talking about this. There, there. You know, it's here. So, so this. It has fun pictures on it. So Three this, decorators, so housing. This, so see? this budget Bits. is. This is a budget. Who who puts this? This is a proposed budget. Or this, this is, is a proposed budget? budget, right? So this is actually okay. a little known fact. The Worcester School Committee actually has more discretion over the Worcester Public School budget than the city council does over the city budget. Right. City can only reject the the um, it manager's proposals mm-hmm. and say come up with another one. We can simply move money. Okay. So you uh, you have a lot of so this this is the administration's. This is the administration's draft, proposed putting budget. out a draft. Yes. Okay. We will start talking about this the first week of June. We will okay. talk about it uh, for our two meetings in June. Um, mm-hmm. It has to be passed by the end of June. Okay. So um, anyone who has any kind of opinions about how we spend money. I mean, this is also three fifths of the city of Worcester budget. Right. I, so, right. I was I was just telling somebody earlier today this you know this again little known fact that the school committee members are basically basically more powerful than the city councilors in that for several reasons. One of which is they Someone control they control <laughs> they control a lot. They they really control more money. We do. They actually have control over that money. We do. And they actually give guidance to the executive that they've hired to run their side of the street of the show versus the city council just sort of saying to the city manager, you're doing a great job. Yeah. I'm going to go back to drinking. <laughs> or something. Or whatever they're doing. Or, or I have a small list of sidewalks I'd like you to. And that's right. Please, please reply to the sidewalk. Yes. City manager, please, please, please. Yeah. Okay. So are you guys, are you guys doing your um, evaluation of this? Of the superintendent at the same time you're doing the budget? Yes. Unfortunately, all of this happens in June. As I said, our major functions all happen in May and June. Okay. I, I, why we can't, but we, it just is the way the fiscal year happens and the way that the school year happens. I mean, everything comes to the so summation in June. So we're going to have like six weeks of drama. We always have six weeks of drama. I mean, side. in the meantime, we have graduation speeches to do and all right. of the rest of it too. Yeah, these are right. busy times. <sighs> I don't we, know that we'll have drama. I mean, we there, there probably will be money moved in the budget. There usually is. Okay. Um, I think that there probably is. I mean, I think there probably are some things that people want to talk about. 
uh, we're moving elementary school teachers around, which is always controversial because of population shifts. Okay. Um, we're reallocating secondary positions, adding some foreign language, taking away some other stuff, okay. or they're proposing that we do. There's no, or there's no sort of giant ongoing battle over this or that aspect of the budget, though. Well, th- I mean, the first question everybody always wants to ask is, are you cutting administration? And there are two administrative, central administrative positions that are being cut, okay. or at least proposed to be cut. Do so people want you to cut administration? The T&G comment board does. Okay. <laughs> well, so they'll be happy. They'll be really happy. If they notice. I mean, I, you know... <laughs> It, it wasn't. It didn't make the headline when they first talked about the budget, so we'll see. All right, wonderful. Well, thanks, Tracy. This actually sounds interesting. I think I, this is this is fun stuff. I think. What do you What do you What are you most excited about of all this process here? Um. Well, I mean, the, this is actually what I told what I tell kids when I when I go in and talk about what the school committee does, which is, you know, we're the people who actually organize six or seven hours of your day. Right. So if you've got problems with it, the people you should be talking to are the school committee members. Okay. Like, you know, we're the ones who actually have oversight over everything from, like, what are you eating in the cafeteria to, like, you know, how much homework can you give and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. there's some stuff we could do in the policy handbook. I mean, we've we've implemented a recess policy. We've People sometimes want to debate, you know, our school uh, uniform code and those kinds of things. I mean, that... And and the budget I think is highly entertaining personally. So if people have if people have feedback about school stuff, this is is this, this like the, is absolutely the time, the time to talk to your people and say like we need absolutely. to change this in the policy handbook. Yep. You need to call the superintendent. You need to praise or complain to the superintendent about this or that part yes. of her job. You need to do this with the budget. Yep. All right. Get in touch with us. That sounds pretty cool. See, look at that. We're gonna remember that you said. I'm that. I'm getting old. If I care about this. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. We have one. We have one more thing to talk about, and that is clothing. I'm really actually. This is a super perfect week to talk about clothing too, because this is. I feel so positive whenever I'm not the best dressed person on this program. We have such a good, <laughs> such well dressed guests today on the show. Now people have been complaining this week that a uh, local half-assed website run by a bunch of kids with no taste <laughs> has been trying to say who are the best dressed people in Worcester. Um, and I would like to actually push back against that assessment. I assume that people are talking about Noriyoshi Needle's new Tumblr website, East Coast Supermodels, <laughs> which is a great website that launched this week. It's at um, woodrobe.tumblr.com. That's W-O-O-D-R-O-B-E dot T-U-M-B-L-R dot com. This is a great website that Nori is doing. Nori is not half-assed. Nori is, actually has good taste. He is a kid. We can't, you know. He's local. He's local. He's a kid. You know what? I'm not going to, I mean, and he's doing a great job. He's just doing street photography. He's doing photography in people's living rooms. And um, it's just really positive stuff. And he's just, he's pointing out the supermodels amongst us. People don't realize. Every day in the city of Worcester, supermodels. Everywhere. It's fantastic. Well, thanks for being on the show, everybody. Tracy Novick. Glad to be here. Maureen St. Cyr. Emily Jones. I'm Michael Benedetti. Thanks for watching 508. We'll be back next week.